0: listener
1: production Hi, I'm journalist and producer Chris Walker, and this is season 2 of my podcast Brains Trust. What you're about to hear is some of Australia's most interesting, funny, and complex people, having what I'm grandiosely calling a tapestry of conversation. I hope their reactions and responses to the reality of life in 2021 help you rethink, reassess, and even reimagine your own year. The Brains Trustees this season include... G'day, my name's Tommy Little. My
0: name's Jamila. I'm Abby Chatfield.
1: I'm Charlie Pickering.
0: I am
2: Samantha Armitage.
1: I am Rob Reed. You've got Tony Armstrong here. Together, they are the ultimate dinner party conversation, and we've saved you a seat at the table as we discuss the events, news and circumstances of our world from different perspectives.
0: That is a really complex question. That's
1: an interesting question. That's a really tricky question.
2: Well, oh, hang on, let me think about how I felt about that.
1: Just a quick heads up, This episode of Brains Trust contains explicit language and sexual themes. Today's F-word topic is fame. A measure of widespread reputation and public eminence is something very few people experience in their lifetime, but it's something almost everybody wants. Our Brains Trust have all had their own personal run-ins with fame, some even with infamy. These days, Sam Armitage can barely sneeze without some website talking about it. Even during the course of this podcast... She's made the paper three times for things she said. For her, anonymity is a thing of the past. Can you be a public person and expect privacy?
2: No, you can't. No, you can't. And so there was a hell of a lot that I accepted um, that was going to be written. There, there, there was an interest in me and, you know, all the paparazzi stuff when it first starts to happen and you it really, really did not sit well with me. I, I find the whole um, premise of somebody you don't know hiding in bushes or hiding outside your house taking photos of you illegally to be quite strange.
1: It should be illegal.
2: It should be illegal. It's so weird. And yet, you know, as my father said to me one day, if these, main, mainly men, if these men were following me around town, they had a gun, they'd be in jail. But because they have a camera, they're allowed to do it. And when you complain about that, then you're accused of, you know, well, you want to being be famous. Pri- it's like, well, and being a prima donna. And yeah. I never really wanted to be famous. So I, and I, maybe that was why there was so much interest in me as I wasn't seeking out. But they were always, um, trying to catch you on an unflattering light. That's what really got me. You know, you'd be, I don't know, there was a million days I went out after work where I had all my makeup on and I looked quite pretty and i (laughs) go to the supermarket and they never get you on those days. It's only when you've got no makeup on, your hair's a mess, you're in track suit pants. I have
1: some experience because they're obviously not following me but they do follow Carrie (laughs) and I get caught out occasionally in the side shot and I'm always like my ass is half hanging out my trackies and... (laughs) Yeah. I'm not used to it at all.
2: I oh know. Rich says the same thing. He's like, he, sometimes he'll look at them and he goes, um, oh, God, what was I thinking <laughs> of that outfit? Or, <laughs> know. Oh, what, that wasn't very nice one to me. I'm like, Richard, it's not about you. <laughs> They're trying to get me looking, you know. But it is, it's a weird, weird thing to happen to you and, you, you, you know, I couldn't understand it because I thought I'm just a journalist and not a very interesting person really. I've always lived my life very quietly. I've never... I mean, I put Rich on Instagram occasionally now because he's my husband, but I've never put boyfriends on social media. I've never, If I had children, I would not put them on social media. You know, I've kept it quite private and I went through a great deal of time in my career where I didn't speak about anything privately around me because it would just end up in the newspapers. So I've lived my life very privately and it's, it hasn't really worked. I, I hate the fact that it's, things have been
1: written. <laughs> <laughs> no. You should be left private.
2: I know. Well, I, sometimes I think more that. More Kardashian. Charges. Should I put more out there and then people might lose interest?
1: As former host of The Project and current host of The Weekly, fame sits uneasily with Charlie Pickering too.
3: The fame, I would give up. Absolutely. Like, if I could do everything I do without being famous, I absolutely would do it. The thing that makes me uncomfortable about my job is the fame. The thing that makes it hard is the fame. Why? Um... Because you tend not to be meeting people one-to-one or on the level. You know, and, and there's dumb stuff. Like I'm out on date night with my wife and someone comes up to the table to say hi. You know, that's a, like it. I want to be out with my wife at dinner. It's funny and I don't, like it's lovely. Like the thing is I love that people like what I do. That's great. It's, it gives me a career. But most doctors wouldn't like random people People coming up for a diagnosis at the dinner table for, for argument you know, for argument's sake or But it's they don't pl- do
1: their surgery in no, for a million people. I mean that'd be some good TV. No, okay. <laughs> it's a good show. It's a good show. <laughs> Tommy Little, who sells out his stand-up tours, sees the upside of people knowing who you are.
3: I desire to have huge crowds at stand up shows. Mm. So it's hard to then go, but I don't want anyone to know me. I like fame. It's useful. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. What's good about it? Man, I mean, this is a very juvenile thing to say, but cute girls talk to me. Mm. Like, way too cute for me. Right. And that's fantastic. Yeah, that sounds good. (laughs) 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 It's the best. (laughs) Um so yeah, I you know I, I don't don't ever hide the fact that I that I really like it, but um, uh, I don't chase it. In fact, I also think, um, I think you want to be known for what you what you do. So, in terms of just doing a commercial or something like that, something that made you more famous, mm. but you don't actually get to ply your trade. Mm. For me, that's a a bad.
1: Uh, not only idea, it's something I actively try and avoid. Chasing fame for fame's sake is a brush that has tarred Abby Chatfield. Given her start in the spotlight, was on TV reality show The Bachelor. In fact, the first time anyone really heard of Abby Chatfield was in this promotional clip for the show. Abby, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Matt, lovely to meet you. What do you do? Uh, I'm a uh, astrophysicist.
4: Okay, uh... I'm a Gemini.
1: Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a Leo.
4: All the boxes ticked. Can't believe it.
1: I asked Abby if she was annoyed about how she was portrayed from the get-go.
4: Yes, yes, like the dumb uh, sex villain. That was the that was the edit I was getting. Um, obviously, it's been edited to shit. But even Matt Blessing would say in interviews that, like, oh, like, she was just joking, she just pulled my leg, you know. Um, but I think the issue is more about what people want. People want to have... Some like because I was twenty three. I was so young. I shouldn't have gone on that show at twenty three. I don't think that should be allowed <laughs> for a twenty three year old to go on national TV and get a and get a villain edit.
1: Why did you go on it?
4: I thought it would be funny. I literally so it, there was this conspiracy about me being there for fame, mm. and like I was a property analyst before the show. Like I had a career. I had a degree. In, I have a degree in property economics, and um, I but I was dating dating this guy, I met this guy in Scotland the year before he moved to Australia, we didn't work out within like three weeks. We were like, oh, oh that was a big life decision for, <laughs> for us to not work out. But like just still friends, like bless him. And my roommate was like, we sh- you should apply for The Bachelor. And I said, oh, this would be funny. And we were like laughing while doing my application. And then I got on and then like 12 weeks later, I was in the mansion. Like it was all just kind of a bit of a joke to me. Right. Um, so that's why it was very bizarre that this, this this rhetoric was like, oh, she's here for fame. Like she's planned this all out. It's like I haven't. I literally thought it was funny.
1: The thing I was interested because when I watched the promo back, like, has it kind of stuck? That like, is it quite hard now for people to, to take you seriously? Like, you know, you're as you just said, you've got a degree. You come from a family of doctors and
4: mm. and
1: dentists and and you know, yeah. like, <laughs> ha, has it made it difficult? In any way, or?
4: Um, I think it did for the, like a year afterwards, but I started writing articles. So after the show, I got, um, um, I was able to write articles about like feminism and uh, reality TV edits for women. Do you remember women? They had to close down at the start of the pandemic, but it was like an online mm. um, an online site. And then I did advice columns in the podcast. So I think ha- like being able to have that outlet in having thoughts beyond, uh, my reality TV edit, probably that took about a year, and now I think people take me seriously. But even like people that I collab with, someone said to my manager the other day, "Oh, Abby's actually really smart." I thought she was going to be stupid, mm. and he was like, "Why would you think she was going to be stupid? Like, like what? Like what?" And she's like, "I don't know. Like, she's just like a blonde. She's just like a an influence, a young influencer that was on The Bachelor. Like, you just assume they're stupid." Um, but I think I'd I'd rather be underestimated than overestimated, and it's oh, I agree. And it's, Always
1: under-promise and over-deliver.
4: Absolutely. (laughs) Exactly. It's just a fucking train wreck
1: doing it the other way. (laughs)
4: Well, that's what ScoMo's done. So, uh...
1: The other thing that I was interested in is because of your views on feminism and The Bachelor is, like, kind of weird. Like, it's, like, heaps of chicks trying to, like, get the adoration of a dude.
4: Yeah, it is kind of weird. And, again, it wasn't really thought through. (laughs) <laughs> in my head. Like, this is the thing. Everyone's like, what was your plan going? And I'm like, I literally thought it was fucking funny. Like, so I applied. No, no, I wasn't,
1: I, I'm actually not saying, I'm, I'm actually interested now not so much in foresight, but in hindsight.
4: Oh, yeah, right. Um, I guess what I'm thinking is, is it a feminist decision to go on The Bachelor? Like, in hindsight. And I don't think it's, for me, about the idea of dating someone who's dating other people, because honestly... Uh, I mean, that's just kind of normal life for the first couple of weeks, is it not? Like, that's fine. Um, but I think it's more about the edits and the categories that you know everyone's going to fall into. and
1: mm, the They put you into stereotypes and archetypes. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. And you're just like a one-dimensional character and there's no room to be more than that. Whereas I think on The Bachelorette, the edits are, are more, you have more of like a spectrum for each person, for the men, and things that, that men will do. Um, uh, are seen as chivalrous, and women will be seen as desperate. Like that kind of. It's 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 interesting. I think it's more about the edit and agreed to the edit rather than mm. the idea of the dating show.
1: Do you have any like animosity towards like Channel Ten or the production company in terms of the way that they portrayed you?
4: Nah, no. Nah. Okay. People, people like even like some of the producers. I still kind of talk to sometimes, but I mean, at the end of the day, we're making a making a TV show. Like, yeah, the editing sucks, but that's their job is to make a TV show that rates and, unfortunately, um, villains rate. And if mm. your villain is 23 um, with blonde hair, big tits and to allow and who had enough content to make a joke about the Gemini thing, like, to, mm. you know, if you, and if you have enough content of all the girls in the house hating her, then, I mean, it's pretty obvious. Like, it sucks. But mm. I, I think also why, why would Warner Brothers and Channel 10 owe me anything? Like someone had to be the villain. Why would I hate them? And like why is it me? Like I...
1: Well, I guess you could argue they've got a duty of care.
4: Um, yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing that I don't love is the Franken-biting. Like the single words being chopped together. I, I, I think that's pretty fucked. But also like... Maybe if you asked me this a year and a half ago, I would say, yeah, I'm really angry. But I think at the moment, right now, like, I- I've I've had this whole career out of it. And if I'd gotten a nice edit, I wouldn't have a career out of it. And I wouldn't be able to speak about things I really care about. Like, I just don't really hold any anger towards them because that's just what it's that's just an entertaining TV show. And because I got that edit, I had the tools in being such a feminist and already having these conversations with my friends privately about all this stuff to be able to kind of like hit back and Mm. then write articles about it and have my podcast about it and talk about it and now I have a platform to talk about things that I really care about.
1: Opportunity can lead to fame and fame can lead to opportunity. That's something former AFL player and broadcaster Tony Armstrong has experienced as his profile continues to rise.
5: I wouldn't like to be more famous. I just understand that to do a lot of the things that I want to do that will happen. It's a byproduct. Yeah. It's a byproduct of, of cool stuff that, I'm, that, that I hope I can do, both you know, from a hosting, you know media point of view, and also like from a creative artistic point of view. In a way, I'm lucky that I was around a lot of it with 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 football and and then now on TV and stuff like that. So I'm around it, but because it's kind of I think starting to to come like notoriety at a later point in my life, I'm a bit more like if if what was happening to me now was happening when I was 18, I would be I would have been an absolute nightmare. Just because you're so you're so like your brain's not formed, you just got no idea how to do anything really, like how to how to keep your own self Keeping in check. Equilibrium of yeah yeah of like okay, that's a bit weird. That's only happening to me because people
1: think they know me because they like something I do, not who I am. If you haven't laid eyes on Tony, or if you can't tell by his delicious voice, Tony goes all right. What's it like being a sex symbol? <sighs> you know what? And like,
5: you're gonna hate that I'm gonna answer this with a touch of being the earnest, earnestness.
1: but like, it'll be a lot funnier if you do it earnestly.
5: No, I'll tell I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. So like, obviously, I just send a good friend of ours, James Colley, every single tweet I get, and I go far out. I would have to kill that person's mum for them not to like me. And he goes, "Fuck you, Tony." <laughs> <laughs> And I say, get in line. <laughs> but like, so that's like, I say early days. Like I've been in this industry forever, but sort of maybe six months ago, people started noticing, noticing, and it was really flattering. But a, like, in all seriousness, I find it a bit how you're going because. Um, if you haven't worked out, I don't really take myself too seriously, especially in something that I've really got no control over. Mm. Like, thanks, Mum and Dad. <laughs> you know, it's actually… The genetics. Yeah. Mm. Um, but That's probably what you can talk to your dad about. Yeah. Hey, mate, you're hot. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the genetics. You know, yeah, you're… <laughs> your I've <wife> got commitment <laughs> issues, mate. <laughs> And that doesn't work, and that doesn't work well when you when you look like this as well. <laughs> You've handed me a shit sandwich, commute issues,
1: and good looks. <laughs>
5: <laughs> but then, sort of last week. Um, so yeah, at the time of recording this, I guess I got announced as the as the sport anchor on News Breakfast for the ABC for the ABC, um, which is awesome. But Kind of part of that has been a even bigger kind of groundswell of people online just saying that like they find me really attractive. But it, it kind of, <laughs> No no but no but it kind of changed. Like like the tone like the tonality of it changed a little bit last week and it got a bit predatory rather than complimenty. If right. you So if, it was like from you're going from
1: nice eyes to, to what? Well,
5: go on. I, I I just want to hear you what say I think what. It could yeah, be. yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. Did I want to put my finger up your ass?
5: So um, like, like there's like there's that a bit of that kind of stuff. But then there's also you know shit like I, like he. <laughs> I can't even say it. Like, <laughs> just say. Ah, it. I'm scared, mate. <laughs> <No, it's like, laughs> he could fuck me and not call him back, and I'd still make him breakfast in the morning. Like like and. <laughs> And like, like it's just shit like that. And I'm like, far out. Like, I don't mind. Like, I feel weird with compliments, but I can handle compliments. When it, like, and it started getting like that, and I was like, far out. That's actually a bit, bit much. It's a bit how you're going.
1: Are you on the apps? No. So you just get DMs.
5: Yeah, that's the wild west. Like, there's like, there's some pretty fucking raw shit in there. Excuse me. So that just gets deleted because I'm like, ugh.
1: What, that's just proposition after proposition?
5: Yeah, a lot of that. And, you know, shoot your shot. Who the fuck knows what's going to happen? But, bro, it's a bit fucking cooked and a bit too far, especially when the majority of mum's age (laughs) and… They don't give a shit and they're all white and there's a sense of kind of fetish about it as well, fetishisation about it. So yeah, it all got a, it it was probably just a storm in a teacup last week because of everything that was
1: happening. Fame, both by definition and how it is attained, is different across the generations. I asked Jamila Rizvi how she'll broach the idea of fame with her six year old son.
0: I haven't got there at a personal level. I don't think my little boy. Hasn't occurred to him. Understands what famous is yet. <laughs> you, you know, you ask him what he wants to be when he grows up and he'll tell you he wants to be a firefighter.
1: Yeah. Evie wants to be a swimming instructor and a sports star and an astronaut. In the, and she says she'll oh, just see, do. Oh,
0: that's great.
1: Yeah, she'll do one. She said she'll do swimming in the morning, astronauting at night, and the other sports. Well, that makes sense
0: because you wouldn't want an astronaut in the day.
1: I mean, also, if you're an astronaut in the day, you're unlikely get home for dinner.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, Ruffy's in a similar phase. I think he wants to be a dad, a brain surgeon. Uh, He wants to be a firefighter, the boss of the police, but he doesn't want to sit at a desk. Uh, And I think he wants to be an astronaut too lately, so they might uh, catch one another if they're on the same shift.
1: The boss of the police. Um,
0: (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't want to be any old police. He has to be the boss. I haven't had to have that conversation at a, at a personal level yet with him.
1: But you're going to have to face social media.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think for me the shift is when I was a kid I wanted to be an actress and I wanted to be a famous actress because I equated being famous with being the best because if you're a famous actress, people knew about you because you were so good at acting.
1: There's well, some truth to that.
0: Whereas I think there's a shift now, not entirely, but there is a shift of wanting to be famous for the sake of being famous, as opposed to doing a particular thing really well, and fame being the result of that. And I think that's more more dangerous and worth unpicking and having a bit of a conversation about because there's there's fame and. Fortune and whatever else it might be that comes with being great at something. And then there's kind of just wanting people to know who you are. Mm. I'm not sure why you you would want that without a reason behind it.
1: Are you glad you grew up when social media wasn't really a thing?
0: Very. (laughs) Very. Why? I got, there would be so many nude pictures of me as a teenager on the internet. I was an idiot. You
1: just got nude a lot?
0: no. Not particularly a lot. I just was a teenage girl who wanted to be loved, I think.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think if a boyfriend had said, let's do that, I would have gone, okay, and wouldn't have thought about the consequences. And I'm so glad Facebook became a thing when I was in first year uni and we didn't get cameras on our phones till a little bit after that. I'm really glad. I think it's a lot for kids to navigate.
1: So our kids are dealing with social media, but so are we. And nothing has sparked more debate online in recent times than COVID-19. Rob Reid made himself famous on TED Talk talking about the pandemic. And I asked if the trolls and haters had come for him
6: yet. You know, remarkably not yet. Um, so I did a four hour, almost four hour episode, special episode with Sam Harris, who's a very big podcaster here in the US. Mm. Um,
1: yeah, he's big deal here too.
6: Anybody wants to check it out. It's called Engineering the Apocalypse. We put it up in late April, and it's an unusual episode in that it embeds a hundred minute monologue. That I did, um, and for which I I interviewed about twenty different scientists talking about the dangers of engineered pandemics and and the things that we might do to resist the next pandemic. And Sam is uh, is also very controversial. There's people who are quite opposed to him on both the left and the right. And so there, you know, anything that goes on Sam's show is probably. Particularly vulnerable uh, to getting hate mail from somebody because Sam himself is controversial and he's pissed off a lot of people on both sides of the political spectrum over the years. And I looked at every single tweet that, um, in some way that I could detect anyway, you know, linked to the episode and so forth. And there had to be thousands, and it, it was a very, very low, actually single-digit number that were that were kind of like rude. And I wouldn't even say one of them; none of them were even nasty. Um, And rude, like somebody said, well, why should we listen to a science fiction writer about this? And my answer to that would be because, well, I interviewed 20 different scientists, and I'm also a science writer, and I'm good at synthesizing and integrating things. But, you know, like little little sort of jabs like that, but nothing really grinding. And then um, through my own podcasts in inbox, really nothing yet. So I'm relieved. And maybe your show will be the thing that sets off the avalanche. (laughs)
1: Let's hope not. Although in this increasingly divided and opinionated world, people in the public eye do have to live with the prospect of being quote-unquote cancelled. For Abby Chatfield, having her own platform means she doesn't really answer to anyone.
4: Yeah, it is weird.
1: Like, in some ways, it sort of makes you uncancellable.
4: Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, my the only way my, my, my platform could be taken away would be if I did something incredibly offensive, or if my Instagram got deleted, but then even still, like I'd probably just go on another reality show. And get, like I don't really, uh, yeah. It's 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 interesting to not answer to anyone um, and not have to run anything by anyone. And my managers, I think the like people as well have like managers that get um, that tell them what to say, or they run things by their managers. Is that a thing because I my manager literally just encourages me to do the most fucked up shit like my managers are my like genuinely like to my best friends like I love them so much and they they encourage me to do anything that I want to do and it's and I mean it's worked so far um with the career that I have and the career that I want um but like for example me posting about I don't know if you saw this probably not um but uh, I posted I can't. I posted. I was drunk on spicy margaritas, and <laughs> during and while I'm a celebrity was airing. I posted an Instagram saying that um, I swallowed cum for the first time in six years to um, to prepare for the jungle, which was true. I thought it was hilarious. My managers thought it was hilarious. Which they bit was true me. that
1: you did it or that it was in preparation?
4: All of it. It was true. It was true. I so had you done thought it in
1: I'm going to have to go and eat monkey testicles? So I'm going to just.
4: Literally, that's literally what I I was like, it's, I've got to do it. And I did it. And like, but it's like, you know, we got through it and then the eating chakra trial was fine. Mm. But like, you know, my managers, I, I was getting, normally someone would answer to your manager, right? or something like Mm. that. But my managers were like, nope, And I was getting calls from, you know, the EP, (laughs) from the, uh, you know the talent minder. From I was in like, I got calls from like six different people, emails, texts. It's like a ten thirty at night. I'm on the spicy marks, thinking this is hilarious, pissing myself. Sent a selfie to the EP. I was like, sorry, with a spicy marker. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, <laughs> how do I still have a career? Like, what the fuck? But this is the thing, like, what what can they realistically do?
1: So Abby is doing her best to own the outcome. But what about when you're not in control of the narrative? Sam Armitage knows all about that. What makes you angrier, the fact that people are prying or the fact that people are making things up?
2: Uh, I don't know. I flip and flop back and forth on this because I think, you know, if there wasn't a market for it, would they make it up? But, I mean, we had a producer at Sunrise who used to work for Woman's Day and he used to say that, you know, he worked in that office. He knew how they made up their stories you know he said we'd sit around a table and and we'd get paparazzi shots from that week and so you'd put people together and you'd have to have a story that went with that so for instance they'd have pap shots of me going to Woolies and in the same suburb they would have seen Russell Crowe four days before and they said they'd put those shots together and then there has to be a story with it so Sam and Russell engagement rooms or whatever the stupid stories were (laughs) And I've had to laugh about it because otherwise you would go mad. But and the crux of it, that's terrible, you know, like that's appalling that they're allowed to get away with that.
1: I mean, I think that should be illegal.
2: How is that allowed to happen and and why are we surprised that the average Australian is starting to be highly dubious about some of the stuff the media puts out? Because there's so much crap out there. You know, the Daily Mail is equally as irresponsible Um I was in Woolies the other day and the front page of one of them, New Idea, I think, had Sam at war. They always want to have women at war with each other. Mm. I mean, behind the scenes of TV, some of the biggest wars I've seen are behind, between the men, but the women are always at war. And um, Sam at war with CAC, Carrie ann Kenley. <laughs> and it's just so, it's almost It's not a war you want to get in. No, well, <laughs> <laughs> but it's all the, like I feel like my life is kind of, you know, quite, it's always like a sitcom sometimes because I, th- I look at it and I think, oh God, there's a picture of me. What have I done now? And then you read the headline and think, oh, for God's sake. And so I sent um, Carrie Ann a text from the cast saying, Hi, Dahls. Hope you're well. <laughs> Just letting you know, we're at war. Um, and she wrote back, going, Why are we at war? <laughs> What's happened? <laughs> anyway, what did you do to me? <laughs> no, and she, I mean, it's so funny behind the scenes, but I just hope, I just hope and pray that there is no-one out in society who actually believes these magazines and would actually think that that was true. But it does all contribute to the general way people feel about you.
1: Absolutely. You know,
2: and that annoys me.
1: Next time on Brains Trust, after five episodes of vaccines, sexism, religion and politics, it's time to let loose with our last F word, fun. And what's more fun than...
4: So he's actually collab with a brand. Everyone thinks that it's my vibrator. It is my vibrator, but, like, I designed it. I
1: don't um, think anyone thinks it's literally yours that you've just...
4: <laughs> no, <yeah, just>, just... <laughs> it's it just... It's like Sisterhood of the Travelling Pan. You're just sharing it. Just, 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 it just goes around. It's like... It's like
1: the Olympic torch. <laughs> <laughs> Brains Trust is presented by me, Chris Walker, produced by Chris Marsh, Carly Humby and Sam Kavanagh. See you next time as we continue the conversation with our Brains Trust.